0: This Woo. is the Machination log for July twenty sixth, twenty sixteen. We got the Movie Crew Prime in the house. Movie Crew must make my witness.
1: Ugh, gents,
2: I'm mad.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh. and I, and I was thinking about taking more of it, but I've decided against that. I'm, oh, sorry. <laughs> Nothing. Yes. We've
2: got we've got we've got a big one to tackle here. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We, have- we are here with
0: Network. Yes. The nineteen seventy six classic, recognized. Yeah, Ryan is underlining that. Um, this movie has made the uh, AFI Top yeah, uh, 100 it six- since it came out.
2: It is the 64th best movie produced in the 20th century. 20th century. It is also also considered one of the 10 best screenplays ever mm-hmm. written.
0: Yes. By Patty Shaevsky, yep. and it shows. Um, if nothing else, if you, uh, if you like anything about Aaron Sorkin's style,
1: yeah, you can is see that. It's yeah. quite
0: obvious that some of that style is cribbed from Chayefsky. Um The manic pace with detail and facts, heart, just constantly running out of people's mouths, mm-hmm. that is. He had a predecessor and it was Shayevsky, and this movie is a perfect example of it mm-hmm. in almost all of its characters. Um, this movie is probably in my top five and comfortably in my top ten. Um, as someone who likes dialogue, this movie is easy to like. Mm-hmm.
2: There is okay so just just right from the get go watching watching this movie again, this movie is so well crafted and the the it's amazing how i mean literally every single piece of dialogue is is so it moves the story forward like there's no room for air like every word in this movie was so material meticulously selected and chosen to move the story forward and to get the point across that it's it's almost mind-blowing when you watch it I uh I was going to try to jot down a few quotes and a few lines throughout the movie but you get to the point where you can't do that because everything is so pertinent in a way that they that that, like, there's just not that kind of care taken in script writing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and It's just mind-blowing when you watch something like this from 1976 and see the quality of it and how it's still so relevant and how it's so unlike the schlock that we are fed today.
1: Well, and it has a unique quality of of the dialogue being verbose but not trivial. Like, it's got yep. this very cool, like... Once again there's a lot to it but it feels very tight and it I don't mean it and and, and to call it dense isn't necessarily no, it's the right meticu- word like
2: every word is meticulously chosen
1: Well and, and and also like it's it's just it has this kind of when you when you talk about like great things like great works of art there are there is seeming contradiction and seeming um imbalance in the elements that make up something right and this is usually the idea of something you know, being greater than the sum of its parts and why that is so difficult to kind of articulate and get down and, you know, there's a school of thought among... Stupider people that to like try to enunciate try to try to put it into words and analyze why something like this is so great is almost counterproductive and and denigrates its accomplishment.
2: Basically, if you can't if you watch this movie and can't see it, there's no hope for you. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like I don't know how we. (coughs) You can't
2: explain it it any more than it explains itself.
1: And it's also difficult too because if someone watched this and didn't like it and still didn't but didn't recognize that some that a lot that this was like supremely. There, there was a supreme amount of talent and artfulness that went into its construction. If I mean, you could dislike this movie.
0: yeah, I can but absolutely, not
1: recognize that. like that's a problem.
0: yeah, I can I would be surprised if anyone could not appreciate this movie. and with those accolades out of the way across the table, if you haven't watched this movie, turn this off and go watch that movie and yeah. then come back. Basically. Yeah.
1: Four bucks on Amazon to run it for twenty-four hours yeah. is worth every penny of that four dollars. Yes. It is it is fantastic.
0: A bargain at any price, Indeed. to quote yeah. Kip Lang. Um, <laughs> but anyway, to get into this movie, uh since we didn't really actually talk at all yet about what, yeah, what it actually this movie is about. Yeah. This, this movie is about a nineteen seventy-six what if paradox of nonsense that watching today Feels So close to home that we I, I honestly do not believe that we can understand what watching this movie at the time was like mm-hmm. there is there is something to the way that and now that I'm assuming spoilers are on the table because you've all gone back and watched this once if not twice um Howard Beale the mad prophet of the airwaves mm-hmm. Is someone we recognize now, and not even in this particular election cycle, though he absolutely exists there, but just on television. This is a personality that has been fully absorbed mm-hmm. in kind of the same way that Gordon Gecko became who every Wall Street executive is now, in the same way that I had another pertinent exe- – like there are a couple of movies that end <laughs> up accidentally defining the way that we see certain types of people and network –
2: Network even if defines it, what TV is now,
1: yeah, it Me, is no, media. I mean, like, media, the, yeah, yeah, it is. It is the both the portrayal of, that and more.
0: of stuff for profit
1: mm-hmm. is
0: just it it's been. To, it is all numbers. Diana can't get a line out without mentioning her share or the profits or the revenue or the ratings. And it's just that's that is her whole existence. She's described as TV incarnate. But I mean, even beyond television. She is just the numbers-driven anti-romantic. Yes. And we all see that in television. And uh, before I get done with this more or less breathless rant, um, to go back to our our favorite author, DFW wrote a uh, beautiful essay called E. Unibus Plurum after this movie came out. And this movie in some ways makes that essay seem a little prosaic and stale. Mm-hmm. because Network exemplifies it in a lot of weird ways. Right. There is a there is a ton of examples of people following scripts. I still haven't described what the movie is, have no. I? So, yeah, yeah, keep going, no, 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 no keep we'll, going. we'll get to the plot. That's fine. Um, this movie, this is a camera following other people who are videoed around, and they are trying to live in a world that is being broadcast, and this is their livelihood, and... The movie knows that, and the characters know that. Mm-hmm. And they are just all falling apart at the same time. Yes. Um. So, uh, do we want to get any more general thoughts
1: on the table before we go through the plot? Yeah, I would... Um. Uh, yeah, before we get into the... Mecha- I mean, once again, we can... Uh, before we get into story and then the mechanics of what makes this movie so unique and good, um, it is difficult also that Movies tend to come from a period of time. They tend to represent a mood or a feeling of that time. And a lot of movies, not only... The reason they feel dated is because they seem to be constrained in the ethos, the values, the style, the music of that period. And yet sometimes movies can hit on themes and ideas that are further in advance Uh, Than what they seem to be. So a movie can look, sound, and feel dated, right? And yet still have a relevance that comes and and shines through. That is um, something different and and something that we can see that that connects to us today. I think what is interesting about this is that is how little feels dated. I, I mean, it's not just the idea, the big idea of this movie that is you know, if, if it in its own way, the mad prophet to to foretell our future of what we and how we consume media. But so much of it, even though it involves and is very much of the 70s, still does not feel over and and dated. Even well, though, once again, this is clearly a movie in a time and place. Well, it just doesn't come across well, that that's
2: way. A, this movie kind of grew into itself because when it came out, it yes. was considered a satirical <laughs> black comedy on, you know about a network that is trying to get ratings. And the thing is so so in 76 this was kind of looked at as a black comedy, kind of like the way like Fargo would be looked right. at. Um the thing is watching this movie now, it it's not a black comedy. I mean, this thing is literally
0: it's a how, black it reality. Yeah. <laughs> it is a black reality.
2: Um so this movie essentially kind of grew into itself mm-hmm. and it is probably Way more relevant now than it was back in '76. Yeah,
0: there is. There's just this movie is almost watching this movie in 2016, or frankly, any time in between. Mm-hmm. It is probably the best example of same shit, different day I've ever seen in a film, mm-hmm. where it's the same problems across the board. There, uh, Max Schumacher is the romantic conservative that we've known our entire lives. Who's all
2: going back to the the golden days of whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. There's whatever. the golden
0: days, and he's even skeptical of that notion, but it's the one thing he's got to hold on to, yep. God damn it. and he's a respectable guy. Like, that is a stereotype immemorial. Mm-hmm. Diana, uh, Diana, what's her last name? Christensen. Christensen is the heartless liberal mm-hmm. that we've known our entire lives. Mm-hmm. She's, she's she's the, the per- number
2: crunching. She's
0: number crunching. She has absolutely no social conventions holding her back for any reason, mm-hmm. as long as it drives ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, and then you have Howard Beale, who is a, who's a fun wrench to throw in all this, and he is, of course, where most of the impetus for the movie mm-hmm. comes from. But it's just everything about, again, to Ryan's point, Nothing about this feels dated, other than the camera work. Yep, and and the fact that it's in mono.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, I mean, it's TV. They talk about tubes. You know, it's like there's an idea. I mean, it's there's a lot to put this in the '70s, but like, it's just amazing how this movie elevates beyond those themes and doesn't get trapped in its in the mechanism of telling the story. Like it, and this is, I mean, one of the once again. Uh, so this is a director, Sydney uh, Sydney Lemay, Sydney Lumet. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Okay. Um, he is one of the very he's a he's a very famous director in that he's done a lot of films that you that most people have probably uh seen or heard before but then um he's not really well known he's not like a big personality um but we had to read uh uh in our film class a book that he wrote about making movies and it is uh i think it really speaks to the testament of of how he put this movie together um And once again, I've talked before previously about movies where you can tell a director is very good when they don't seem to get in the way of telling the story. And this film also, I think, accomplishes that to an extremely... Well, and and highly, this is a well crafted movie Mm -hmm. and a well crafted film, much like if you are, if if you like rub your hands along a well crafted table, you know, there's no splinters, there's no hangnails, there's nothing in it, it, there's nothing in the way of you experiencing the enjoyment of something that has been crafted. And that's exactly what is in place in this movie. And there are some odd fucking choices that are made in this movie, (laughs) and yet they make sense. And I just can't, I mean, like, Okay, so I'm done. I don't. I want to talk about generally this movie anymore because I want to get to into. Yeah, it. yeah no, Let's we, talk we about can network. get into
0: it. And uh, as one asterisk, I said liberal when I said heartless liberal. I meant heartless yeah. libertarian. Libertarian, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, the point stands. So, this movie opens with a flat shot of four TV screens mm-hmm. uh, showing four what absolutely look like the news anchors of an era bygone. Mm-hmm. Um, Howard Beale being in the lower right and a narrator, voiceover narrator, talking about Howard Beale in the mechanical way that we understand numbers and people to be correlated nowadays. The narrator is essentially emotionless. He talks about Howard being not necessarily a paragon of television, but doing just fine with his, I think it's like 22 share. (laughs) And, And then... Tragedy struck, and the narrator describes that tragedy as The
3: following year his wife died, and he was left a childless widower with an 8 rating and a 12 Uh, share. All
0: said with equal amounts of lack of emotion or importance, as if those are all equally relevant in his life. Mm -hmm. As, of course, they are to the number-crunching, heartless world of television. Yes. Um, At which point, Howard's uh, get, finds out that he's going to get fired. Yes. So he gets shitfaced with Max, his old
1: friend. Properly pissed.
0: Properly pissed yes. with uh, his old friend Max. Max tells the most generic old-timey correspondent story about jumping off a bridge. Yes. Um and they they have a fantasy. This is this is the moment where it seems like it, it gets really hard to guess when this movie came out at this moment because Max is talking about the death hour he is fantasizing about because uh howard howard suggests that he's going to kill himself on air and well, max is, is like the, yeah the, what a great idea well, this is
2: this is the brilliance of this scene because they go into you know they're 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 reminiscing and they 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 go into this story about uh you know that he's mistaken as someone who's trying to commit suicide jumping off this bridge but it's funny because it's a big joke because he was just there to report a story Cut to. Howard going, oh, I'm just going to kill myself on air. So yeah. we're, we're doing a, like a mistaken suicide to, I'm just going to do this for real, and then and then in typical TV executive fashion, Max is like, I think you're getting somewhere because we could do a whole death hour where we record people killing each other, and and so like, but but we know we get that re- Max
0: is joking, <laughs> <laughs> like we know that Max is joking because he's not that kind of guy.
1: And this it makes it so hard to place this in time because, but still, but still expressing a sentiment of wh- of what news and what and, te- and how media and is, what, and, and is and that moving. it might be entertaining to watch yes. these things. Oh like, yeah,
0: no, we'll wipe Disney off the fucking yeah. map with this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and it, but it's because they see they see this as the direction it's going. So in some sense, we know that this is beyond the pale, and yet something that almost seems entertainable mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. But in 74, or uh, 76, I keep saying 74, 76. 76, I have to imagine that comes across as being completely fantastical.
2: Yeah, because this was a black comedy when it came out. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and not something, it, the thought in the back of Max's head is that this is depraved, not, I wish we could do this, mm-hmm. the way that it probably has become now. Um, so you go from there to uh, Beale, On his final day, it wasn't going to be his final day. It turns out it's going to be a final day. Well, he was
2: given two weeks, but uh, he basically, next day, shows up to work and comes right out. They're firing me in two weeks, so on that two week mark, I will blow my brains out on TV for you, the viewers, because I need ratings. Well, and
1: it's also funny, too, that as our view of a lot of Howard Beale on his show is in the control room, kind of, right? That that room that's separated from the, the set. And they're there, and they're talking, and they're looking at the script, and they're like, 10 seconds to commercial, alright, 5 seconds, ready to queue, and done. So they're going through their job of, like, you know, executing the schedule. And Howard Beale, in the process of these people executing the schedule, it, uh, it you know, they're like... Wait, did anyone hear that? Like <laughs> yeah. Howard said, he was <laughs> going to kill himself, yeah, and someone like, comes out of the yeah. monitor room. It's like, did you hear him say <laughs> <Yeah."> <laughs> that?
4: What do you mean, Howard just said he was going to kill himself next
1: Tuesday? <laughs> so they have to like catch up because it's it's funny and it kind of expresses this this really kind of shocking theme that kind of runs through this idea uh, through this of what goes out into the world is this sense that somehow television and media is more about process and less about content. Like, there's a way in which things are done, and if the way is seemingly detached uh, from the content that they're they're presenting. And that's why I think the kind of juxtaposition of being like, you know, the news and being responsible, and then having the death hour that will wipe Disney off the planet. The idea is that, well, if we just do it right... Mm You know the the content doesn't matter, and well, that's I mean we're still just
2: making good TV at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what the content is. The schedule,
1: but also it's it's the ad breaks. It's getting the it's getting the sixty seconds in so we can sell it at uh, at twenty thousand for every five second block. You know, and like you know, like it's it has to have that because that's it's 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 marketability, right? The product is time itself, and that's what's so weird about media in general. I mean, that is the product is the time being spent on this media. And it's just really great scene that gets, I think, Im- immerses someone into the world right away and this juxtaposition and this, this seeming contrast between these two ideas. So, Howard announces he's going to kill himself. Uh, it turns out by the time they come back from the commercial break, that perhaps he shouldn't do this. There's a scuffle, and then there's that one. They wonderful... try to
2: physically remove him <laughs> <Yeah>. from <laughs> the anchor chair. Cut the
1: feed, <laughs> cut the feed, and it's the music and the happy, uh, you know, technical difficulties, we'll be yeah. right back. Um, and, and on to the next day. Yeah, okay. and then,
0: um, well, uh, later on that day, Max uh, hears word, uh, there's... There's both corporate and there's management Yes, over at the good old uh, Union Broadcast Station. UBS. UBS. Um, Because UBS is owned by CCA, which I'm sure was a novel concept in 74 that people didn't just assume out of hand that there were uh, conglomerate parent companies for every company that you know and love. We know that today just kind of as a given. that's just
2: how it is. Mm Because that's just how it is. And UBS, like, moving... Moving forward, like, UBS is is a made-up station for the movie. You can literally insert any Fox station for UBS, like, moving forward. And it works very well absolutely yeah, there
0: is there are plenty of parallels anyone can draw <laughs> to most of these things yeah. <laughs> there's some um, but he finds out there's a handful of uh, management and corporate types there's ruddy there's arthur there's hackett hackett plays most of the role there though as the
1: uh oh I, I, the young Robert yeah, can i just do a quick clean up here for the okay sure. so the, okay uh peter finch is uh help me out here. howard beale howard he's beale. our mad prophet. William Holden is his boss, Max Shoemaker. Uh, Faye Dunaway is... Diane Christensen. Diane Christensen. She is... Uh, Max uh, is the news. Uh, Diana is programming, responsible for creating new shows and content. Uh, Robert Duvall is Hackett, the corporate side, uh, the the uh, representative in the, in the station. The holding he... company, Axeman. Yes, for, yeah. the, for the larger corporation. Uh, and then finally, just as a quick mention, um, Beatrice Strait is... Um, uh, William Holden, or Max Shoemaker's wife. Now, she only has one major scene in this film. Five uh,
2: minutes and two seconds long. And it
1: won her a fucking Oscar as well. <laughs> so I, just to, I feel we have to mention her, uh, be it just straight, but primarily the, 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 big, four. Yeah, and the then, big four. And
2: then there is Jensen, and he is the big boss who is in charge of the conglomerate. Yes. We'll get to
1: him, too. And, and he is Ned Beatty, and yes. uh, he is another, once again, a lot of faces, a lot of recognizable faces, um, and um uh, yeah we are we are still not done. But I just want to kind of clarify the the kind of actors and the cast that we're in here. All right, let's do it so max,
0: Max is not entirely happy about um people talking shit about the news division, not merely because of what Beale did because uh, the word hasn't actually got around about what Beale did just yet. But uh, the news division is not all that profitable, and um
2: news never is. yeah, it. <laughs> okay.
0: Hackett Hackett gets up on stage at a business meeting and basically says that the news department sucks and uh, needs to be rolled into programming. And uh, Max is not a fan of that move. But you
3: do, Schumacher? I've had enough to hear with your credit division
0: and its annual $33 million deficit!
3: You keep your hands off my news division, Frank. We're responsible to corporate level, not you.
0: But it more or less sits there, and we assume something bad's going to happen because this is a movie. Um, but So <laughs> so it's they're safe to move to the next scene at this point, which is uh, Diana Christensen in her first real scene attempting to explain uh, her character, or at least imply it pretty strongly.
3: Rough footage of a special Bill's doing on
5: the revolutionary underground. Most of it's tedious stuff of Lorene Hobbs and two fatigue jackets muttering mutilated Marxism. But... He's got about eight minutes of a bank robbery that is absolutely sensational.
0: Awesome. She's willing to do anything it takes to get a share. Mm-hmm. That is that is her thing. Yeah, to
1: get people watching, right? Yeah, is, yeah. is what she wants, and it's is some really great stuff when when she has this assistant and she's trying to figure out what kind of new shows. And her assistants reading her back like the synopsis of these shows. Oh yeah, no, that the, uh, that the, comes up a little later. And it, like, oh, okay, just a little bit later. Okay, yeah. No, but well, no, it, we we can cover it now. It, it's but it's really funny how you how why you would why you would kind of. Ad, ad, or see what that she has a point when they go into the formula about these shows and each one it's a show about this a crusty but benign uh, you <laughs> yeah. know a lawyer, per, lawyer or, janitor or <laughs> and then a crusty or benign uh, police de- department commissioner and like it's like this formula that keeps going through this and she's tired of the same old thing she's tired of the formula and no, it's no just, that's
0: that's the danger of Diana and that mm-hmm. comes back several point several times in the movie is that. I mean, yes, she's a heartless, cruel bitch a lot of the times in terms of like the social impact of what she is espousing, but she has a point. Yeah. TV has corrupted itself Mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways. She has a a conflict with, uh, she has a pertinent conflict with Max about that later, which uh, we'll get to in due uh, due course. Management gets its way with corporate um, or the other way around. Um, The news division. Is uh, now seeming to be in uh, control of forces that it wasn't supposed to be. There was sort of a gentleman's understanding that the news division, literally a gentleman's understanding, yeah. um, that the news division wasn't supposed to make money because it's a public service. Yes. That it is supposed to be informing the public, so it's it's fine as just more or less a form of corporate charity. That it does that it runs a thirty million dollar deficit because they make that up the rest of the day, and the news is important. Um,
2: but some people disagree about that. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely moving forward from this movie. That is how news has become because yep. it's no longer a public service. It is another form of entertainment. <laughs> more or less.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Beale goes back on the next day. Um, Max gives him one more shot to say what he finally wants to say because he wants to apologize. Beal does no such thing. Um, basically talks about running out of bullshit to talk about, um, and goes on in everything's bullshit rant, which was pretty good. Uh, Max lets it. I run. just ran out
4: of bullshit. All right, cut him off.
3: Leave him on. Am I still on the air? If this is how he wants to go out, this I don't is know other way to say it except that I just
4: ran out of bullshit. Yeah, uh, look, Mister Schumacher's right here. Do you want to talk to bullshit him? Bullshit is all the reasons we give for a
0: living. Because he doesn't. No you know, what else whatever to do. he's saying life is bullshit and he's right life is bullshit yeah <laughs> like let it go yeah and Matt I forget and Max is soft line. at
2: heart so he you know he's yeah. not looking forward to cooking good old Howard to the curb you know very much either regardless of how crazy his antics get yeah. right here at the end
1: well and there's also a a, con- a kind of conflict that he has with with the the with the station and then with the corporate bosses as well, right? There, so there is this idea, like I said, the public service that isn't supposed to be, the news isn't supposed to be concerned about the bottom line, right? It, there are things that will that will provide this, this, this larger measure that is supposed to have things like, you know, integrity, substance, yeah. you know, like these things that like it's supposed to be imbued with um, that might not make money. And so... You know, the reason he kind of goes through this is I think that Max is kind of saying, well, fuck it. If you're going to make the news beholden to the bottom line, the profit, the enter- excuse me, its entertainment value, well, I'm not the person to do that for you. So in his yeah. decision to let Beale say that, you know, I just ran out of bullshit and that's why I couldn't do this anymore. I couldn't just get up and, and present this front of bullshit. I think Max is on board with saying that, you know, it's the 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 – the confluence of forces that is leading to that moment is is what is in to Max is what is what is the bullshit. And what I think is a little bit ambiguous is this kind of s- the weird way in which once again, you know, Diana is not you know like like all good villains. She has a point, which yeah. is that you know there was a lot about the news that was bullshit as well, right? There was a lot about Max's supposed novelty of independent responsible journalism that was also kind of full of shit also it's
0: entirely tabloid and that comes up that is the very next scene is diana yes, excellent, or yeah. not it isn't specifically there's a little bit of uh politicking behind the scenes because max technically gets fired
1: but, but which, comes back and but, but which i gotta say which the movie handles really well yes like the office maneuvering in politics yeah. is so and you talked before about the emphasis on sorkin um, if you, if someone could watch an episode of like the West Wing and like not really see the kind of political, like the, the, the bureaucratic maneuverings that happen. They do a good job keeping it under the hood. Yeah. And it, but it still happens. Yes. And I think this movie does that really well. Also, like the. If you're wanting to know why the president keeps Max on, to you know, yep. like it, it's explained, but then like the larger rationale is between it's like once again, it's it's and each it's, one is densely and compacted, it's super
0: simple, and if you don't yes, want exactly. and if you want to ignore it, you can. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's only two minutes long,
1: and it, now, but once again, it's not it's not about that. It is it is a part of, but not integral to the larger component. But it doesn't skimp on it. You know, like no, and everything that would have made been easier if we left this out. It seems like Patty and Sydney and the filmmakers said, fuck it, we're going to try to figure out how to keep it in. Yeah. And, like, that is, I mean, that is so commendable, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it would been <laughs> much easier to kind of leave some of this shit out. But they're like, no, we're going to find a way to work it in and try to make it seem like it isn't forced, that it isn't, you know, over overdrawn, and that it isn't, you know, going to hold back the momentum and the larger, really engaging part of the story. And it's, like I said, that is... That is fucking hard to do. Like, it is just, yeah. I, I mean, I am in awe of how well this is put together. Yeah. Okay, sorry. And I know and, I interrupted immediately well, no, in your no, no, flow no, br- and, bring up a point about office politics. Well, but. no, but
0: it's fun because it's an under-the-hood under way to deal with what would otherwise be a plot hole. Because they needed a way to keep Max in the building. Yes. And though it is clearly a manufactured reason, it fits hand in glove with the way the story's progressing. So it doesn't feel weird. Mm -hmm. It's just there, and it's, you know, if you need the explanation, if it would bother you that this is happening, that's explained. And then Max v. Diana, the first time, Mm -hmm. they meet in the same office. Uh And Diana pitches Max on bringing Beale back because the bullshit show got great ratings. Yes, (laughs) Um, And the line that will define their relationship then comes up. Um, Max after after Diana gives her first speech about the news being tabloid, talking about car bombings and lost puppies and just nonsense that no one should actually care about. yeah, um it, not actually being news, even in his romantic conservative exactly. sense yes. of what the news is that he's already lost his way and he just doesn't realize it. Mm-hmm. and Diana is and that's that's Diana has a point like exactly the yeah. news did become that. And she just wants to bring news in line with what it actually is in real life, Mm -hmm. as opposed to this romantic ideal that it doesn't achieve if it ever did,
5: frankly. I watched your 6 o'clock news today. It's straight tabloid. That You had
4: a minute and a half of that lady riding a bike naked in Central Park. On the other hand, you had less than a minute of hard national and international news. It was all sex, scandal, brutal crime, sports, uh, children with incurable diseases, and lost puppies. So I don't think I'll listen to any protestations of high standards of journalism. Now you're right down on the street soliciting audiences like the rest of us. Look, all I'm saying is, if you're going to hustle, at least do it right.
0: And uh, Max retorts with, uh, we're talking about putting a manifestly irresponsible man on national television. And Diana just gives this feverish little nod with her head like... Yeah,
2: yeah, uh, yeah, That's exactly, exactly, exactly what, <laughs> what I'm
1: talking about. <laughs> but,
0: but once again, great acting, like
1: like perfect. no yeah. words, like like come yeah. on, you know, yeah. like
0: <laughs> like she she's shaking like a dog. Yeah, it is. Oh man, so good, it's, so good. This movie is fantastic. If you haven't
1: watched it the third time, go back and watch it a third time. Yeah, stop right the now. podcast. <laughs> hey, I don't care if you're out. even if you're driving. Yeah, pop it up on the window. Watch this movie again. It's okay. You have my permission.
0: <laughs> um. And so Beale learns that uh, his show's back on the air because corporate management have uh, sort of changed places here. Uh, yes. Hackett, Hackett has suddenly assumed some control because Ruddy, who was normally uh, had Max's back, he was the old chummy partner that kept Max Schumacher in business. Uh, Hackett, on account of Ruddy have, suffering a mild heart attack, is suddenly in control for one day, and that's all the window he needs to (laughs) reorganize the entirety of UBS from top to bottom. So now, Max gets to deal with the Beale show being back on the air. And uh, Beale... uh,
2: So the Beale show show is fun, because he goes from being a news anchor to basically just being a screaming talking head. Yep. And he has a whole cast of characters on the show. Oh, no, no, no. That, that one's later. That one happens
0: a little bit later. The first time, it's just the new show, yeah. except it's just Beale saying that everything is bullshit. So
2: think of like Glenn Beck, a Glenn Beck show, essentially. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Glenn well, Beck's got a little more hard to yeah, less Yeah, uh,
1: less, less, less chalkboard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs>
1: Five colors of chalk. I'm telling you, these got There's so many ways you can draw Obama and a swastika together. You know, <laughs> you got to have that multicolored dimension to it. Are we there yet? By the way, okay, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, we're we're getting. Um, right. There's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ted Nugent's still around, so it must not be there.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, Diana and Max then fall into a bit of a, uh, a tryst. Diana talks about uh, talks about meeting a soothsayer mm-hmm. yes. in the elevator and getting into a relationship with a craggy-faced middle-aged man yeah. um, who just
2: happens to be sitting right across from her yeah, yeah
0: what know. a coincidence <laughs> also it turns out that diana had a crush on max when uh, she was younger yes um max max is max is a fatherly figure for diana in all intents and purposes i mean there's no indication that most of these people have families of any kind but diana especially yeah has no one else in the she world she
2: is alone yeah she is a lone wolf. No,
1: she is. She is. I mean, once again, though, well, she's like,
2: married to her job. But, is what she is. But
1: in the sense that she's the villain, and I do think that that she kind of clearly is here. You know, like like who's the Joker's family? You know, like like they like supervillains. They 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 are. You know, part of what I think makes them you know so so effective is that they are so singularly devoted to some one single clear idea thing, right yeah. and this is kind of the the larger theme about what the, about how when this is kind of perverted maybe even only slightly more so than 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 someone else or or even you know kind of normal morality it's that it goes so far to the extreme that it becomes you know, all consuming and detached as well, and I just think that her like this like mythos that she is the kind of super super villain of this film um is the kind of way I like to think about it, but at the same time, like it, it because she's such a good villain, it's like we talked before, like I think it was repeated over and over again, you know she does seem to have a point right that she is in a sense in in a, in, in service to something she, that she... is or has truth and relevance to the point this movie is well, making.
2: She is good at her job, but she is also one-sided because she is so committed and so married to her position as the program director. Uh, oh, mm. from,
0: from the purely objective standpoint of... As, uh, uh, and she's about to go on a date with Max, and she basically cops to this.
5: All I want out of life is a 30 share and a 20 rating. Yeah.
0: And as far as life goals go she's the best there is. Yep. She does. She she is extremely good at the one thing that she wants to do. Mm -hmm. Humanity be damned. And then there's
2: basically no room for anything else for good old Diana. Right. And, (laughs) and, uh, Max will soon learn there's no room for, for him either. They start this, this burgeoning love affair. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, from there, the bullshit show works for a little while, but then it starts going downhill. Um, at which point, Beale, uh, th- there's a shot of him in his apartment, and he is communing with some higher power yes. or unseen the, to the or, audience, or unseen the, to the camera, or the back static in his brain. Yeah. Uh, one way or the other, he uh, he just starts talking basically to himself. He then shows up in Max's office. He's about to get canned again for mm-hmm. like the third time now, and Beale goes on a tirade about how enlightened he is. Mm-hmm. He's, he has now become the prophet. And Max has one of the best... one of the best combination of you're my friend, but I can't help you faces in this scene. Yes. It's one of my favorite blank stares I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. And then Beale faints. Mm-hmm. And then they can't find him. And he's talking outside with the press. Yeah. And he has become a complete menace at this point. Right. Um, which is Diana's cue... To bring in the big guns yes. and start the real Howard Beale show, mm-hmm. um, Max gets properly fired um, because
1: Hackett is now in full control yes. of the operation. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what do we got here? Well, we move
1: into when he he gives. I mean, we have to talk about the speech. I mean, when the the moment what that kind of solidifies, you know, the fact that Beale is now going to be managed and run, and and essentially that Diana is going to take over the show and Hackett's going to run things is uh, when when Beale comes into the office after wandering the streets on a rainy day in his pajamas and a raincoat. And he goes into and he gives his one of the, I mean, one of the most famous movie speeches of all time uh, on this last day of his what set. And it is, I mean, it's hard to talk about like how about when you watch this speech and you see someone acting in front of you i mean this for one thing the speech is and and howard beale up to this point had always been you know you can tell something's going on but the, the sense of what he gets at it is that um, he's talking and he's like I, he explains to the audience that he's having this communication and he, you know, he asks the voice, you know, he's like I want you to tell this truth, I want you to give this vision and he's like, why me? And the voice tells me because you're on television, dummy like, this is why you have to tell this to people and he says I, he's like, you have 40 million Americans
4: listening to you and after this show you could have 50 million for Pete's sake I'm not asking you to walk the land in sackcloth and ashes preaching the Armageddon you're on TV, man so I thought about it for a moment, and then I said, okay.
1: The funny thing is, is that the message is, is apolitical. Right, he's like, I don't want you know, I don't, I don't want to tell you to write your congressman because I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. Yeah, <laughs> and he gets to God it, damn, his larger I, point. I want to put the whole speech
0: in here. That's, That's fine. Well, that,
2: that, uh, yeah, okay. So yet yeah, again, get just watch the movie because all of the dialogue is so pertinent. Like I said, I gave up on just trying to quote because everything's pertinent. So,
1: yeah. but in the end, he <laughs> he expresses the sentiment of being mad as hell, and he's not going to take it anymore. Yes. and this sense of just like. You know, I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value. Like, it, like so simply stated, in it's and its construction, and yet it is something that you kind of like feel. Like you, you had wanted to maybe scream this or tell this to someone that I'm not a product, right? I'm not a wallet. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not a human a being. God yeah. damn it! My I, life has value.
0: And this is the this is the part where. Where the Eunibus Plurum ep- essay picks up from is this exact point where, where the, the observers, the bad. observers on the other side of this television screen, and Beale has been an accomplice to this whole interaction the entire time he's been alive. Practically, yes, he has been giving this information to people who, by the very nature of the activity they are performing, have no influence on what's happening. Mm-hmm. And what he's talking about a lot of the time. you don't have anything besides words to give back. Right. So, devolving that to the most primal form where you're basically just angry and you want to stop. But I cannot actually convey that in any way that will affect the real world. Mm -hmm. And Beale gives them the only out they have. Mm -hmm.
4: I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window open it and stick your head out and yell i'm as mad as hell and i'm not gonna take this anymore
1: oh (laughs) god damn it like i mean rarely do movie moments land as well as this one does and but also once again he he because he's telling this behind his, his desk yeah and then he's like out of the desk you know he's like wandering around and the camera's following him and once again the way this film shows you the scene is that you see it from so many different perspectives right you see it as some as, as someone would see it on the television you see it as like the camera disembodied from all all set reality and just focusing you see on it him the scene is
2: like the family sitting in and their living see, room watching it you see max TV. after he's
1: been fired sitting with his family watching it his concern like he is he is yeah. genuinely concerned about his friend and that this is him you know leading to a mental breakdown and the, the 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 nuance of how that goes from it, and then you see it in you know, the control in the control room. room you see it with uh, when they're Those when he's walking around, Yeah, and the guy's like holding him, holding the camera back and trying to yeah. keep yeah. up with him as he's oh, yeah. The, the lead God. in the control room's like,
0: no, 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 keep the camera on yeah, him, keep, keep on. the camera on <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> he starts walking away from the stage. But they've still got a TV show yeah. to shoot, yes. so they've still
2: got to care about that. And it's just it's it's all happening at. once. And then we see we see the people. The viewers in their homes getting up Mm -hmm. and going to their window and yelling, and then you see, like, the outside of the apartment building with people mm-hmm. sticking their heads out the window and, and yelling that they matter and, it's, and that they're not going to take it anymore. And there's a
1: storm raging in New yes. York and the thunder's going. <laughs> yeah. And It's like, I mean, it is like... it is. A, Diana's I'm, running down the yeah. hall, the telephone's ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. They're
0: screaming in Singapore. Yeah. Straight,
1: like, <laughs> We've hit the mother load, she says. Like, this is wonderful. And like, it, it just, it is such a... Once again, like like the same way that like a great river is great w- when it's a confluence of many small rivers. <laughs> like this has so many moments in it where the themes are coming thick and heavy and like a great symphony that develops its its variations and its melodies independent finally comes together in an awesome confluence of drama of story and it just fucking lands man. This thing just just lands so so well. David, are you coming back soon?
2: We, we just lost our, our, our podcast host our here. Our
1: host is gone. Uh, cue the Howard Beale speech, please.
2: Yes, yes. Oh, and, and his notes are off, so I can't, I can't follow along. No,
1: no. Where, <laughs> where should we be right now? I feel so lost.
2: So, actually, one thing I wanted to point out briefly about this movie. So, this movie didn't win Best Picture. No. Rocky won that year. And I've watched Rocky recently. Uh you know watching both of these and seeing which one holds up better now yeah. <laughs> This one definitely yeah. it, like long term yeah was probably the better picture
1: I, I you know it's uh, yeah, uh, the I, uh, Man no. oh man uh but I got it was this this movie goes Peter Finch wins Faye Dunaway wins Duvall does not win, correct? No. But, um, but Beatrice Strait wins. So three of the four major acting And then categories. Best Writer. And then Best Original Screenplay, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this movie, like, sweeps it. But goddamn, like... Rocky
2: beat out for Director and Best Picture. Jesus
1: Christ. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but once again, like, um, like... So Robert Duvall doesn't win, but he's nominated. Ned Beatty, who gives the speech later... He doesn't win, but he's nominated, nominated. also. Yeah. Um, there's a great line, Ned Beatty, where he said, I worked, I worked a day and a half on this movie, and I got nominated for an Oscar. So he's like, never turn down a role, you know? Like, <laughs> never turn down a role. Oh, man. So, yeah, I'm... I, I, oh, this movie. I, I was like, pick a network again, and I was like, I'm going to watch this movie again. I'm like, I'm, I'm so ready to watch this movie again. Mm-hmm. This, oh, we were just—we
2: just did a brief interlude. I wanted to uh, inform our listeners that Network did not win the Academy Award in '76. Rocky did, and if you had to pick two movies that hold up over time, this
1: one—yeah—is definitely the, the, the
2: one. Because <laughs> um, I watched Rocky recently, and it's still dumb as shit. Hey,
0: uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 uh, the screenplay won.
2: So yeah I'm fine with that okay so so we just yeah. now that David is back, we can pick up with our movie uh, no, sorry, that, sorry about the segue there, no, but we're that's, that's we're fine. still mad as hell, and we could still talk about it and yes, now absolutely. that no one can take
0: it anymore yeah Diana makes some phone calls before the first uh before the first Beale show she has to get some uh, other things lined up, and she also has other programming to take care of since she is the head of all programming now uh so she has a meeting with uh Lorene Hobbs. <laughs> Angela Davis-inspired Lorraine Hobbs. Yes,
2: of the Ecumenical Liberation Army. Yes.
0: I don't think she's affiliated with the Ecumenical uh, Liberation Army. I believe that she has a difference of opinion which Diana masterfully glosses over in her discussion of uh, rates and terms.
5: I'm Diana Christensen, a racist lackey of the imperialist ruling circles. I'm Lorraine Hobbs, a badass commie nigger.
0: Uh, Diana's conversation with Lorraine in that first encounter is outstanding. Yes. Um, Lorreen is concerned about the message that is being broadcast because Diana is presented with some actual footage of a bank robbery taken by the bank robbers. Yes.
2: Yes.
1: And of course she can't resist. And
2: cue reality TV. Yeah, more yeah.
1: or less. Yeah. <laughs> like Can we get some... Uh, she wants to... Build scripts. She wants to script around the actual live, real yes. footage, which, once again, is very reality television. Yeah, which like, is you basically
2: know? all we do now. Yes, on TV.
0: Yeah, so okay. it's only pseudo criminal today. This was legitimately criminal, but that's well, not. And she was stop her. she
2: was she was using legitimate criminals to get her content from,
0: which is where Lorene Hobbs comes in. Because though Lorene Hobbs, I believe I have the the thing. She. Only has contacts with the ecumenical she's the liberation party. With the yes, US, she's U.S. Yes. communist party. Yeah, she's one of the leaders of the communist party, but she has ties to the ecumenical liberation army, which means that she can get the footage. Yes, and in exchange for the footage. Diana basically says, you can say whatever you want after we play the footage, we just need the footage. Because that's what's going to get us the ratings. So the Lorene gets the extra bunch of time to spew her communist propaganda on UBS.
1: And it should also be said that the eventual name for this show... Is the Mousey Tongue Hour? Yes. it's Like they like, <laughs> yes. like, decided, like at the, I think one of the early meetings, it's just pitched like, "What are we going to call it?" The Mousey Tongue Hour, and, then and it's, it's like, sold. yeah, sounds like good <laughs> like, Holy shit! Like they bought it. Like so, um, um, but yeah. I just I love that I love that little bit thrown in there. Like it is, it is so anyway. Oh god, yeah. it's disingenuous to a fucking surprisingly frightening degree. Yeah, and it, yeah but Dian- Diana it
0: embodies the notion of. Content, yeah. Just she just needs At any something. Cost. Yeah, it just it's a hit. We just need this thing. Like her her conception of what she is portraying is completely irrelevant. It is entirely the attraction of it that matters. Because what she's doing is on television in the seventies mind. So this the con. You know, we keep mentioning offhandedly that Lorraine Hobbs is a communist. It was the fucking seventies in the United States when this movie came out. That matters. Yes. Um. So. So she is she wants to have an hour long show mm-hmm. where the first 5 to 10 minutes is someone filming a violent crime yes followed by communist propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like that's her pitch for her current ideal show. Yes. Um Corporate America. So yeah. <laughs> um, So yeah, but then um then we get to the network news hour mm-hmm. uh, with, network. with headliner Howard Beale uh, and a couple of sideshows. We got Sybil the Soothsayer. We've got Jim Webbing's It's the Eames Truth Department, yep. which is. But none of these segments are ever actually elaborated on in the movie. They're just mentioned, and then they go away. Yeah. Yeah, or they're,
2: like, shown in the opening, like, hey! Well, they have these,
1: like, rotating sets on both sides of Howard Beale's stage. Yeah. So, like, you know, Sybil the Soothsayer is sitting at a desk with her little crystal ball and then when they cut over to the other guy they like quickly rotate her set around yeah. so they can yeah. cut back to it and it will be the next one. Oh, it's, was- it's a goddamn
0: production yeah
1: yeah and then we have got miss matahari and her
0: skeletons in the closet yes. and again they give you no indication of what these shows actually are they're just names oh and then probably my favorite one vox populi yeah which is which where the other ones all have like a human host.
1: This one's basically just like a ticker tape machine. Yeah. Like a 70s IBM and it has like yes, no, undecided with a black and white picture of a crowd.
0: Yeah.
4: Oh, goddammit. And
0: it's left to the audience to determine what the fuck is going on in that show. Yeah. Um, and then they cut to Howard Beale. And Howard Beale gives his, uh, his first address to the nation from his elevated platform. And this very much has... From from the crowd being on both sides, visible and interactive, and just the stained glass window in the background, yes. yep. very evangelical in yes. design. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, befitting of a mad prophet of the airwaves. Right. Uh, and Beale starts this conversation by decrying that Ruddy has died, the old management at UBS who was keeping the news department intact. He has died of that heart attack, and now the CCA owns UBS. And he then proceeds to go on what is basically the slightly more sophisticated version of his original primal rant about just being mad for no reason.
2: Now to, he has something to be mad about, yeah, specifically.
0: He's, he's come up with something to be mad about, and it is specifically that television has corrupted reality. Television is not the truth.
4: Television is a goddamn amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobat storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom-killing business. Yes.
0: And he is doing this on television. Yes. And, again, we have all the control room stuff with the camera Go and there are people clothes. ushering the crowd. And he is literally, by the end of this That's conversation, where he's mind. talking about how Reality has become unreal through the lens of television. He's literally telling people to turn off their televisions by mm-hmm. the end of
2: it, which is a ratings nightmare.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean it doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem to hurt him too much <laughs> yeah. because everybody wants to hear what he has to say. Yes, and I like I really like that idea because that that plays perfectly into like the self loathing of people who go onto social media to bitch about social media. It's got that it's got yeah. that parallel perfectly. Um, and he faints at the end of it.
2: Which is very evangelical as well. Yeah. Might It might be my favorite scene in the whole
0: movie is when he faints because the camera guy looks to the right for a second mm-hmm. and then the music, which is super upbeat, it's like... Du, 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 du. and it goes, The music goes on and the cameraman goes to zoom in on his fainted body and there's, they go back to the control room and there's just a camera... Of Beale's crippled body on the floor, yeah. and then someone just turns it off. Yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> the best. <laughs> it's like we 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 got a television show. Yeah, we baby, produce.
1: we're doing it.
0: It's, so yeah, now we're off to the races. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he talks about the tube again, you've already watched this movie three times, so you're familiar with the quotes so exactly yeah I
1: mean, in fact, please just stop it again and please watch the film again, yeah so I think a fourth time so there, will begin. yeah
2: there's a couple there's a couple cute, cool little just style notes i want to I want to hit on like right in the middle here is one is uh when Diana is negotiating with the ecumenical liberation army for oh, there's a
1: yeah there's a great scene there is okay. there is
2: there's i mean there's a lot of good negotiation in this film um one of the best scenes though is when diana is trying to sort out the tv contract with the leader from the Ecumenical Liberation Army.
1: And the communist, and, and the and, um, Angela Davis-inspired yes. character as well. Uh,
2: it's great. It's like in a house, they're surrounded by, you know, like these Black Panther types that are fully armed. There is some very, very... Uh,
1: technical, con- contractual language yeah, going yeah, on there, here. Well, not only is there, is,
2: there, is there very technical language, it is, it is expressed very, very exuberantly by both... <laughs> Parties. I mean, this party's not going to see a nickel of this goddamn show until we go into syndication. Oh,
5: come on, Lorraine. The party's in for seventy-five hundred a week production
2: expense. I'm not giving this pseudo-insurrectionary sectarian a piece of my show. I'm not giving him script approval, and I sure as shit ain't cutting him into my distribution charges. You
4: fucking fascist! Did you see the film we made in
5: the San Marino jail breakout demonstrating the rising up of the Seminole
4: prisoner
2: class infrastructure? You can blow the Seminole prisoner class infrastructure out your ass. I'm not knocking down my goddamn distribution charges. Yeah, so there, there's some, <laughs> some very heated negotiation scenes that are very enjoyable. And also, I just wanted to touch briefly just on, on uh, the Diana Christensen, you know, the Faye Dunaway character. Uh, Like just like her whole like this is the seventies, right? So at no point during this movie does she ever wear a bra. She always is looking like very cute in her little high waisted seventies pants. Mm -hmm. She's probably skinnier than I am, which is saying a whole damn lot. Yeah, that's intense. Um but just like this cute, like bouncy way in which she approaches life, like she's sitting cross legged on her desk or she's bouncing up and down on her bed when she's like doing negotiations at home. And mm-hmm. like there's just a there's there's like a neat feel about the, the characters that just, you know, like people aren't like that. Like it doesn't date it, but it's it's a nice feel that you don't necessarily
0: get like well there's there's a lot of motion in the scenes like there's a lot of actual blocking that doesn't occur in a lot of movies now like when people bother to have dialogue in movies things sort of stop Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People stop moving around. They just they, and there's there's a lot more just zooming directly in on a face and another face,
2: or the triangle thing where you have like one person and then two people. That's a very common yeah, structure it, yeah. for, yeah, the, there's for
0: a, dialogue. There's a lot better scene awareness um, in this movie than in a lot of movies nowadays.
2: So just just the whole like so on top of the fact that it's it's so excellently written and it's such a good story. Like just the, the, some of the feel of these seeds is 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 really fun and it's just not. The way you see things approached mm-hmm. as much now um yeah,
0: yeah there's there's no. a whole the, Max and Diana go on their second date and, yeah and effectively <laughs> second through thirty first dates
2: yeah <laughs> and oh my
0: Diana, who is now riding the high of her life <laughs> in addition to her man of choice um basically never shuts up about her job no, no matter what they're doing yeah, yeah
1: and 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 this montage of the the mistress tryst, you know, the the weekend with your mistress kind of a thing. They go to the seaside. They have dinner at at a, you know, it's like really, really funny. Like the, the way this kind of progresses and how she just, uh, once again, the dialogue isn't like, so they see if they show them like walking in the distance along the beach, we're still hearing what she's talking about yeah. as we go through it. And like I said, she just doesn't shut the fuck up about her business. Like this is what she's like, No, they're
0: they're kissing even, at one point and she they takes begin to make love. She yeah. takes a
1: breath in
0: and then stops kissing her so that she can finish a sentence that yes. she had started
2: earlier. I mean she even comes quick so that, you know, she doesn't have to waste a whole yes. lot of time uh, to having sex. So the,
1: yeah, so there is a sex scene in this if you could call it a sex <laughs> scene, there's a sex scene in this movie. Um, and when I remember when we watched this, probably, what is it, about a year, year in and a half pol- ago? Yeah, with the group. Yeah, when we first watched this as a group, I mean, this sex scene, almost as good a response as the end to North by Northwest got, you know? Like, this sex <laughs> scene really resonated with the group overall. And, I mean, because it is so... Once again, the idea that this is a a comedy to a Uh, certain extent does... Or it
2: was originally a comedy. Yes, Yes. this this scene
1: so speaks to that and is so well-timed coming at, if you will, the climax of this fucking absurd weekend off. Like we said, a montage of these two characters enjoying their love affair, uh, such as it is, I guess. (laughs) Um, Which results in uh, Max. Having
0: to confess to his wife, which it seems like he does freely. Yeah, um, they're having. Well,
2: he 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 loves his wife, and he loves yeah. Diana too, even though she is not necessarily available to be loved. Yeah. So
0: can I, can we? Maybe... We're we're in we're in the scene where Max and okay. Um, but kind I Max talk. And Louise... I mean, we want
1: to talk about like what their relationship is because I think. Well, I, I think than... they
0: I think they uncover some of that in Max and Louise's. Yeah, little I think bit so. Let's, let's yeah.
1: yeah. Let's develop this here because essentially the movie. Is Beale and the television apparatus around him, uh, and then also Max and his relationship with Diana. I think those are the kind of two pillars that this movie tends to that that this that is network.
0: Well, and and, and Max and that, Diana is are the two lenses that you see who Beale is between yes, exactly. because Max sees Beale as losing his mind, and Diana sees Beale as a business opportunity.
1: Well, and and it's so strange too because there's this. I mean, well, first off, the like you said, the interpersonal, re- uh, the the re- the interaction between Max and Diana. Uh, you, I think it would. What makes it so funny is what the fuck is appealing about this woman? Like, there. I mean, I mean, she's Faye Dunaway and she's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but like the thing of like, what what th- who this person is, the values this person has, the interaction that they have that she has, the way she makes love, like all of this, n- like leads to like, what the fuck is Max seeing in her and why is he with her? Do you guys have one of maybe like do you have an answer well, to Well I at mean all, he or? does
2: kind of go into that but we're not quite there yet because and the the inevitable breakup mm-hmm. between Max and Diana. He does, you know, because Max is an old man and he's close to age retirement and he says mm-hmm, okay. in that point, he says, uh, you know, when they're when they're kinda on their outs, he's like, you know,
3: because all of a sudden it's closer to the end than it is the beginning. And death is suddenly a perceptible thing to me with definable features. Yeah. That's
1: so that's so like like I think graspable in a very human way. And it's once again like what William Holden this Max is is the kind of character that's trying to remind us of this humanity, but I mean, once again, what does it say when the writer has this man who is supposed to define this Edward Aramuro R. and you know news as as a public service with integrity, who fucking falls for Diana, who in a sense is you know basically twenty years away from being a producer on The Apprentice. You know what I mean? Like, well, and that's you, like, that's <laughs> that's why the
0: scene with Max and Louise is so important. Here, yes, okay, because so Max, help me out here. Yeah, because Max doesn't seem to know why he he, he talks about being attracted to her yeah. and kind of like but he can't even Louise has to egg him on to say his wife yeah so his... tell me you love her mm-hmm. because Louise I mean Louise is essentially seeing through what Max is going through to some extent because Max Max doesn't love yes. um, Diana he doesn't actually he has to be coaxed into saying that by some sort of conclusions like oh well I must love her and I think I mean, this this gets slightly more philosophical than we have been so far about that. That's this, fine, but yeah. it's but it um I'm ready. It it suggests that Max Max is seeing through her. He is seeing the allure of vapid television. Yes, exactly. The glamour is actually working on him. Yes, um, and now that he has lost his job, he has lost his way. And again, once again, Diana has a point. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What he was chasing, his platonic ideal, which, I mean, if anybody's Plato in this movie, yeah. <laughs> Max is fucking Plato. um, He's not, he doesn't have it anymore. It's not only that it's not something he can pursue. He's not potentially even sure if it's pursuable mm-hmm. in the modern world. So he does what
1: everyone does. He gives up. Yep. Yeah. He watches. No, Junk food. Yeah, man. So- like, there's some, well, some, I, I love The Simpsons, and I'm sure I'm surrounded by mm-hmm. table people who love The Simpsons as well. Definitely. But the way, like, there's some really great instances or moments when, like, um, for example, like, a, some, I, one of the episodes something happens, and then the kids, like, go and they hug the TV, and you can hear Homer from the back, Are you hugging the TV? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, full-on embracing the TV. And then, you know, like, but, like, the the... The odd way that, like, the Simpson family has this, like, emotional relationship with the television is one-sided. TV does not love you. Yeah. Like, we love TV because it gives with seemingly without asking something from it requi-
2: us. Yeah, it requires very little only of Only your attention. Us.
1: Only the vast majority of your waking life. That's all it yeah, asks for, yeah. you know? But it a little in each moment. But,
2: it, but that doesn't require a lot. Fucking that's egg, that's man. what's easy. It's so easy to just sit in front of the TV. Just like, you know, Diana's beautiful. It's so mm-hmm. easy to, to fall sit. for that, even though it's just junk food. Yes.
0: And for what it's worth, Max has Diana more or less happen to him. Yes, exactly. Through their date. I mean, I I don't I would have to go back and look at the blocking a little closer, but I mean, if nothing else, Max Max's total interaction in the sex scene is to take his clothes off.
1: Well, and okay, so the, Diana gets on top of him.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, she's the driver. Yeah,
1: and within about seven seconds, done, yeah, and she doesn't waste much
2: time happy. and moves on. <laughs> so
1: like, we'll be back after this commercial break. So, you know, like, so but. I think you're absolutely right David in 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 equating those two. I think it's but once again excellently perceptive of what this overall is as well. Another a layer to this though is that she feels about television the way I think Max used to feel about television also. Right? When when you dear listener uh, re, uh, listener when you are watching network I mean really pay attention to the exuberance and enjoyment that Diana has when arguing and you know making her case for the Howard Beale show as she conceives it or the Mao tongue hour as she wants it she has all of the nuance passion and enjoyment of, of a sexual encounter while doing that, while arguing and, and being the head of programming. That is where she finds the indulgent sexual nature of her of her humanity, and not in the physical act, but in the way she communicates it.
5: Six weeks federal education, and the Mao can start carrying its own time
3: slot. Ah!
1: And... So there's really great when she gets done, or she she talks about these things. She like, oh, like slumps down, you know, like like she's kind of reached that orgasmic level of her pinnacle, you know, possible thirty share argument for the show. And can't you, oh, feel it? It's so good, and like she like like it's very it's very well done.
0: A completely uninternal emotion. Yes, it's a verifiable. Just it's a numerical raw fact that she is trying to achieve.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that you know, if we talk about a human experience, you know, there is, I mean, there is, there are people that we know, but then there are people that we have sex with, with, and we know them in a different way. Like there are some people whose public persona and who they are with their clothes off during sex are the same thing. But you know, Diana, I think the the in in a sense that when you have someone naked and you're having sex with them, you learn something about their about who they are like for diana that percept that that how you perceive them is when she's talking about television right that is her yeah. with her clothes off that is her engaging in her kind of secret passion and in and, and love it's just that uh it, that is the method in Maine that means that she does that and i think that's what max a feels that he's lost the the idea of it being formulaic that a middle-aged man you know midlife crisis reengages and tries to find and connect with that youthful exuberance that because in a weird way they're both extremely idealistic and impractical. And yet, you know, he and I think he finds that. He wants that. You know, this Diana is his, you know, convertible. You know, mm-hmm. like Diana yeah. is his Porsche. Diana is 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 that for him. That reconnection was something that he had lost also. Yeah, there's um, there's
0: a line when Max is losing his show um, that he shouts at Diana. He goes,
3: Mike! Supposed to be the romantic, you're supposed to be the hard-bitten realist.
1: Which is basically where the turn happens. Mm-hmm. And it's just once again, I think it's it's one of the more interesting relationships constructed in this film. Uh, once again, multi-level, multi-nuanced, uh very uh, very nuanced uh, uh relationship. But then also just really quickly, um Beatrice Strait, who is Max's wife, uh, like you said, was a five and a half minute scene she five, has? Five minutes, two seconds. Probably uh, really really great stuff. Like her, it's, it's cliche, but like to, to have someone be able to express the hurt that she feels when he, when uh, he says, uh, the the comparing the relationship because age and the, the, you know, the last chapters of one's life is part of who these people are. Just like, it'll be part of us in, you know, 50, 60 years, maybe, you know, but it'll be part of who (laughs) we are at that point. Like, She's like...
4: Because this isn't a convention weekend with your secretary, is it? Or or some broad that you picked up after three belts of booze. This is your great winter romance, isn't it? Your last roar of passion before you settle into your emeritus years. Is that what's left for me? Is that my share? She gets the winter passion and I get the dotage?
1: Yeah, where's... The, where I want this too, you know? And, like, you won't share it with me. You aren't here with me. And why she how she expresses that hurt and betrayal is is so effective. I, I, I like seeing it and now it, for and the sixth it, and time it affects, now, you know. And
2: it affects Max. I mean, it affects him being able to move forward in the relationship because he feels generally shitty about the position he's put his wife in too, even though he doesn't know, he you know, he's torn because he's having, you know, like I said, kind of that midlife crisis situation well, with well, Diana, this, it, but and, he also isn't. I mean, he's not looking to just kick his wife to the curb necessarily either. Uh,
1: unfortunately, he has crossed that line, though. But he, he has, I think he, yeah, yeah. I think that's the... Yeah, the, the well. Reality is actually intersecting
0: here yeah. in a way that it wasn't for a little while. Max's world was getting unreal. But there is, in the way that he is looking at Luis yes. while Luis is having her stage play monologue, mm-hmm. it is quite clear of, that, water that, works. that Max is seeing this through Diana's lens Mm -hmm. because he starts using the terminology of scripts in almost all of his conversations from here on out. Mm -hmm. He starts deconstructing what's going on around him as being something that he's seen on a sitcom before or in a drama. Yes, exactly. And he's talking about commercial breaks, you know yeah. how does this resolve itself And it's clear that diana has infected the way he's seeing well, the he real starts, world because
2: he even starts when the his and diana's relationship start going downhill he even starts i mean that's how he broaches the topic with her is that you know you can't just write me out of your little script like this you know like basically yeah. how that 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 she lives her whole life as though it's some sort of scripted TV show.
1: Well, and also, but once again, the fucking, I mean, the goddamn editing and storytelling Mm -hmm. here is so brilliant because all of this develops. I mean, the the story holds back this love affair Mm -hmm. until, of course, after the Howard Beale speech about, excuse me, about how, how you, are you? we have people who know nothing else other than what what the the tube the what television has told yeah. them yeah. you know like this is this none of you people read books anymore and in that speech he says if you want truth you know you're not going to fucking get it turn off the tube go to your gurus go to your god go to each other you know yeah. and fucking find that truth and it's once again it's only after he gives this that we find max Breaking down into this world of being only able to relay things in in the kind of stereotypes of television, we thought that these stories had kind of, you know, would have, would have developed from human nature, would have re- revealed truth because, uh, you know, the stories were inspired by true events. But what we're finding is that true events are now being inspired by television. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't it wasn't supposed to be this way, you know. And real like, is resisting this. Yes.
0: And Ma- and despite being his only friend, Max is the one being hit hardest by it. Yes, Max is the only one, or he's not the only one, but he is one of the millions who is not taking that message to heart.
1: Yes, exactly. Um,
2: he's experiencing some internal conflict.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, well, the, the death metaphor that or the death theme that rolls yeah. through this around him is is very powerful. I mean, he, I mean, what what who he is and what he represents is dying as well. And, and this kind of, you know, this claim for the second life that he experiences through her is part of that, you know, like yeah. it's all, it's all so, so, you know, like it's, it's like I said, it's just one of those things that it that the, the, the late, the depth and nuance to this story is so, so well. And like I said, like there's, there is so many opportunities to tell a simpler, easier story here. And none of those, none of those avenues were shortcut in this. Like this is, this is one of those moments I think where Max and Diana's relationship is, is something you knew in a sense had to happen in a movie, right? Like where's the love story? It had to be a love story or a kid. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it had to be one of those two things and they chose the love story. And yet it, the way in which it is re- it is cycled through, the way in which it is it's it's both commentary commenting on the themes in the film itself, and yet I think speaks to the wider point of what Beale is making. At is just something that yeah, nothing is easy about making it seem so seamless as it <laughs> yeah. does in this film. It is just too good, too fucking good, Louis. Where the hell are we in this story, Louis? T- uh, I mean, for, once again, if that character gets one scene and and has that Beale-like quality to yeah. her. Like that's what's so heartbreaking about this is that she is clearly not as fucking demented as this television has made these people. Like the the, the both the way in which they make it and the way in which people absorb it. It's yeah. it's fucking shockingly and good.
0: And Louise's final climactic line as her final plea to the back of Max's head, where he is theoretically still sane. The way. Beale is insane, or is yeah? It's yeah. The, the 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 insanity of Beale. It's the insanity yes. of Max. Yeah, and Louise's final cry to that is. I hurt. Don't you understand that? I hurt badly. And Max has nothing
1: to say. No, it's it's so it's because it, it it rem- like Louise even implores him to say something yeah. and he can't well and it, it feels it captures that helplessness of being told things through television like there is just uh you know watching the news and seeing something horrible happen that the, the helplessness that one feels within that i think is just so perfectly expressed as well in the sense that when you finally would meet someone who would experience a tragedy you wouldn't know how to react to them yeah. like it, it like I just to digress I, I really despise these, like, acts of charity bullshit things you see on Facebook to, like, people post this inspirational these sh- shit.
2: That are these, what, like, GoFundMe type things or just the inspirational quotes. Like
1: the guy, like, who gives a shirt to a homeless man on the subway. Yeah. Like, we're supposed to feel good about this. But what you notice in, in that little thing, if you've ever seen this on your Facebook feed, is that there's no interaction with the man, right? The guy's yeah. shirtless. Give him a shirt. And then, okay, good, I'm, I don't actually have to, I don't have to know the man. I don't, I want to, like, engage with another human being. Like, I'll just give him a shirt. And it's, it is the the very definition of an empty gesture. Like... Oh, it's, Anthony like, it,
0: Gizelnick it has an excellent thing on that in his most recent stand-up routine, uh, Thoughts and Prayers, mm-hmm. uh, where he despises people who talk about tragic events with this sincerity if they are not actually directly involved in them. And yeah. his example is thoughts and prayers, which is essentially you saying, don't forget about me right
1: now. Yeah, exactly. It's it's bringing yourself back into the picture. Well, and it's, it's so odd because, like, you know, I mean, I'm not getting too political about it, but like, I mean, as a as a leader of a of a people, like, you know, President Obama has like made it a, a point to like visit with people that have experienced these kinds of like tragedies, like a mass shooting. And I mean, for something that happened close to our own community like this, like I wasn't directly affected by this, but you know, the idea that I would go and involve and interact with people that had experienced this, and like like to seek that out, is what is that's fucking strange. Like the idea that you would seek out something like this and try to console, uh, to understand, to experience this with someone else. Like this is what uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is that it feels unique. Like Mm -hmm. when a politician, once again, it's not thoughts and prayers. Like Obama's like, you know, like I'm not going to offer you something. I am here with you. Like, I don't need to give you something. Like I will be here with you. And it's not just, it's not just, he that does it but i think it's just a prominent example that you know it's not like the point is is that if you did that right if you knew that homeless man and you wanted to share and understand his experience and understand why he's there and and try to connect with him you wouldn't give him a fucking shirt you know like you would connect with that human being and i think that that's once again the kind of the the sanitized experience of the world through the tube that network is implying is this this sense of helplessness. And when confronted by tragedy, we don't extend and, ourselves and to be thing, though, to is, connect is, with is, it.
2: But the other thing is also is that we, especially through the TV, we are constantly bombarded with this tragedy.
1: Yes, to exactly, the point. Yeah.
2: to the point where like, yeah, I mean, you're essentially paralyzed because you can't even process all of it because there's bad stuff happening all the time and then you're just bombarded with it and you have basically no connection with any of this
1: no the only connection you have is through the tv yeah and once again net net the idea of network is that it is this like it's not just tragedy it's fresh tragedy right you know it's like it's got to be new like there's got to be new tragedy like the 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 mount say tongue hour is like well you know, they robbed a bank, and we got footage. Where can we get more footage? Not of the same robbery. Yeah. Like, no, we need more. We need yeah. more terrorists. We need acts. more people. Yeah. Robbing like, banks. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is that we need more footage, not of the same event, mm-hmm. but of new and more horrific events. That's what we need. The fucking footage. Of. It's it's like once again, it it's not just. And maybe my little rant before this kind of my own Bealish rant maybe was a little bit too hard on the people that do this, but. I think it does indict the idea that we – that to to lack the ability to connect to someone who's experiencing a tragedy even on an interpersonal level is a way in which we've kind of defended ourselves from this, you know, being too open almost to a, a daily tragedy – a new daily tragedy. And, you know, I mean, once again, this I think this film has this point in it as well. It's fucking great stuff, man. So where the hell are we, by the way? Uh, we we have Shit. now
0: kicked Max out of his house right. and uh, there is – now another message coming from the second Howard Beale show. Mm-hmm. Howard oh, it's has learned doing well, right? The Beale show is oh, doing well. Oh, it's doing outstanding, extraordinarily
1: well. As is the
0: Mousey Tongue Hour, which comes on <laughs> right afterwards. <laughs> as if the, the um, so <laughs> Howard learns about a deal with the CCA, and uh, this once again is news to no one in 2016. But in 1974, this didn't six.
2: 1976. They didn't, didn't realize they were run by by global conglomerates at that point yet. And
0: that global conglomerates can eat other global conglomerates. Yes. So UBS was already the property of CCA at the beginning. And now it's going to become part of the Western World Funding Corporation. <laughs> Except that it's not going to become part of that organization because that is a skeleton crew <laughs> subsidiary that is going to be part of... That is facilitating a merger to get around SEC regulations. Yes. Again, it's 2016. You all know how we that know works. We yeah, know exactly. Um, but Beal finally has something he can act on. Mm-hmm. So he demands that his listenership get out of their seats and send telegrams to the White House to stop this deal. Mm-hmm. At which point, Beal has officially messed with the forces of nature. Yes. And we get... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and he is going to be sacked, but it turns out that uh, the man at the top of the CCA mm-hmm. a Mr. Jensen. Yes.
2: Yes, and, and b- before this, we usually just saw Robert Duvall characters hack it. You know, he'd be like, well, I've got to run this back and forth from Jensen. But now we actually get a good scene Jensen With Jensen Jensen
0: shows up one time prior to in the scene and for the most part if you put him in slightly different clothes he looks like a a dumpy neckbeard guy Yeah um like random he, white dude Absolutely unassuming mm-hmm. um And he's at the front of a uh, massive conference table called Mm -hmm. Valhalla. Yes. Um,
2: (laughs) And it's great. It's lined. Every single chair has its own little green domed office lamp, like Mm -hmm. exactly what you would expect in like a, you know, 50s. And, oh, it, yeah. and
0: it looks like a Parliament building. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the
2: table is very long.: Extravagant writ.
0: tapestries on the. Yes. wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's and, a
2: really good It's a really good like setup.
0: Yeah, the mm-hmm. only indication we had of who Mr. Jensen was before was of the CEO of years past, where he is sitting at the front of the table with papers down. He's not looking at the papers necessarily.' That's everyone yeah. else's job. <laughs> His job is when Hackett presents their numbers. Uh, Hackett's dream, in the same way that Diana's dream is to is to get her thirty share. Hackett wants Jensen to say, "Good work, keep it up." Yeah, and he
1: gets that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's <laughs> once again the subtle, real satisfaction on Robert Duvall's face when yeah. he finally gets that. Very good. Very yeah, the good. state Jensen,
0: the way you get to be the CEO, um, to use I, I forget if it was the Devil's Dictionary or some random uh, some random other source but a ceo is uh in in the old days at least was a company's whitest oldest quietest employee excellent Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) um and that is mr jensen excellent mr jensen invites howard beale after the telegrams come in and beale does seem to have stopped the merger yes uh jensen brings beale into his uh into his office and then brings him into the uh into the conference room, because that seems like a more appropriate setting.
1: Yeah, and he tells Mr. Beale that um, he started off selling... He's a salesman, right? Yeah. He yeah. sold uh, uh, equipment, vacuum cleaners. Sewing machines. Sewing machines, yeah. I, I can sell people. i want to try to sell something to you, Mr. <laughs> Beale. <laughs> so after setting up the conference room with the appropriate dramatic lighting, I think we should say? Yes, yes. Yeah. Excellent, okay. Um, he gives... Well, uh, to be honest... It's probably my favorite speech of the film. Like, I love the I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. But on certain days, the speech and, and 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 in particular the overacted gesturing of of Mr. Jensen in this scene is probably what sends it over the top for me. Uh, but he goes into a speech that is. A doozy, to say the least. The corporate cosmology, yes. Basically,
2: (laughs) he explains to the audience and to Beale, who is there for us, that... You have meddled with the primal forces of nature,
5: Mr. Beale, and I won't have it! Is that clear?
4: You think you merely stopped a business deal? That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country, and now they must put it back! It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance.
2: Uh, Our world is no longer countries. We are a... We're we're globalized corporations. Mm -hmm. And that this is how shit is run and that you need to understand this
0: again 2016 you're all for
2: know this with now. This. we <laughs> know this now we didn't know this then
1: the t- what do you say the saudis have taken 2 billion dollars from this country and they must put it back they in they must it put is it back an ebb and flow the tidal forces of gravity mr Beale. <laughs> <laughs> he has these these really audacious views of this kind of once again, it's this—it it's seemingly harmonious. I mean, what is it? What is it? The corporate cosmology speech. Yeah, the, the corporate yeah. cosmology. Yeah, it has this fucking universal sense of what these immutable laws of how this thing works, and we need—I need you to understand that you are but a mere part of this, and it is leading to some sort of grand. Utopian-like vision but, for what is possible. So,
2: what, but what is what is great about this? Because you know, obviously, Mr. Beale is providing a message, and Jensen, you know, when the message steps on Jensen, Jensen's basically trying to convince Mr. Beale that you need to you need to be telling people this message. Like, yes, I'm going to
1: sell you this message. Yes, yeah. this
2: is the message that I want you to advertise, and it is. It's very dark, but it's very effective because Beale looks literally like yeah. in terror <laughs> the whole time. But he does come around, and it's Beale's second epiphany. that this is the way things are going, I and that this I've seen is the, the face new, of God. Yeah. this is the new path in which he needs to start directing his hour.
1: So I, I've got to say though that like um. Like there's this sense of like what awe or what something something that would be described as awesome is, and um, so the only I mean the most awe-inspiring thing I've ever seen in my life is uh, the Grand Canyon. I mean it is it is the world's largest hole in the ground, Um, and when you say it that way, you know you're like you're like it's giant scar. Yeah, it's a giant scar in the in the face of the earth. But that really doesn't prepare you for the. Fucking intensity of this thing. So we we're kind of—I told the story to tease around with it. Um, when we're driving with my family to it, we're driving and there's trees in, mm-hmm. in Arizona, in this part of Arizona on the southern uh, southern end of it. It was trees, and we're like, "Where's the Grand Canyon?" I'm like, "It's only the biggest fucking hole on the planet." Like we'll be able to figure out when we get there. <laughs> um, but sure as shit, we we're driving through, and we the trees are in, are onto the right of the car, and I like. I see something and I'm like, like, I'm like, stop the car. So my family and I stop the car and we go off to the side of the road. We go through the trees and sure as shit is the Grand Canyon in front of us. And the idea of something that is so larger than you, like something that is so much, much grander than anything you've ever been confronted with before is both amazing and yet. Terrifying in its in its in its awesomeness. Like it is both amazing, but yet like really frightening. Like and so like Verdi's Requiem has this the the moment when 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 Christ's God's judgment comes back to Earth. Right, is a very famous moment in the Requiem, and it is probably the best artistic expression of that sense of like total amazement and absolute inspired dread that would come from (laughs) something like this. The idea that this hole in the ground has been etched over millions upon millions of years and like imagining that unfold in front of you and the fucking speckness that you have, this little fucking mound of like wet carbon that's like just hanging (laughs) out with electrical impulses, experiencing this hole in the ground is like a very frightening experience. And... That's what Howard Beale's face looks like as he uh, witnesses Mr. Jensen relay the cosmic forces of business before him in its splendor and glory. And uh, that's – I love it. Like, I really do feel that, like you said, he had seen the face of God. And there's a reason it fucking melts those Nazis' face off in Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark because it is fucking awesome, like, in its true sense of the word. I don't necessarily
0: want to derail that, but it uh – and ev- and everybody here has seen the movie five times now, so excellent. Yeah. You'll all you'll all understand what I mean. But it, it's kind of a testament to this movie. I don't know that that speech is in the top three. Oh, very good of the speeches uh, for me in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's no I, there's no particular reason for me to uh, to dislike it. No, no, I don't. I like it. Right.
1: That's what I mean. There are to...
0: just better ones. Right. <laughs> and the mo- and almost any movie would be ecstatic to have this scene in right. it. Um and uh, I still don't think
1: it's as good as some well, other scenes. One of the things is the framing of the thing with the with the lights with the with like the, yeah, the, the lights the on the lamps, conference table. Yeah. I mean it, it has this it's this, you know almost, you know, uh, triumph of the will like kind no, of it's, a feel it's to like it. this
2: weird ominous I mean, like it, it, power
1: yeah. I, I Oh no, it's it's great. Yeah. There are just greater things. Well, my okay, so when he when he, he has him he speaks the mo- majority of the speech um over to him at the at the when they're both at the ends of the conference table. When he rounds down he it, and goes into the darkness and is only lit is only backlit, so we see yeah. the outline, his face is dark and all we see is be, is Beale like clearly aw- overawed by the speech. And he ends by making his case about how this Inevitable system of business will be all-encompassing. And our children
5: will live, Mr. Beale, to see that perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding for whom all men will work to serve a common profit, in which all men will hold a share of stock, all necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilized, all boredom amused. And I have chosen... You, Mr. Beale, to preach this evangel. Why me? Because you're on television, dummy. 60 million people watch you every night
1: of the week, Monday through Friday. I have seen the face of God. The way in which, like, this pure, like you said, this is like, pre-Gordon Gecko, pre-Reaganomics, like, but the sense that it can be this utopian idea is for a, a political scientist kind of a guy like really like appealing to me in a larger sense as well. <laughs> so I'm probably revealing my biases <laughs> as we review this thing. Uh, but it's my favorite speech, as I got to say, on any given day, Holy. it probably is probably my favorite. Uh, Again, I will not begrudge you that one bit. Oh, and by the way, like I said, Ned Beatty, another, what, yeah. four or five minute per- performance uh, scored Oscar an Oscar nomination. nomination. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. anyway, so he gives no. the speech, right? Yeah, he yeah. gives
0: it, and then... Um,
2: and Beal Beale basically Beale complies. and
0: goes on the next day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He initially applauds everyone for the beautiful, uh, for the the beauty of what has just transpired. Uh But that's probably it. Because what you guys need to really understand is that your life is in fact meaningless. He basically reneges his entire speech from his initial Mad Prophet epiphany when he was back on his old news show Mm -hmm. uh, and supplants it with Mr. Jensen's corporate cosmology. Yes. Which the narrator describes as being um, less than ideal for the purpose of ratings because <laughs> though it was hard to fault him, uh, nobody really want. It was it was slightly depressing. No one wants depressing. to be
2: constantly reminded of how depressing the actual situation yeah, of the world. is How meaningless. Is. <laughs> yeah. the,
1: the way that it's worded is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but dehumanization, the death of democracy. Yeah. Like, yeah. like these things are pro- like prominent themes within this. Um. Uh, I mean, it essentially as replaceable as piston rods. Yes. Exactly. And but it has like once again this like super society structure that kind of like is implied within it. The idea that we would be. Much like ants or termites working cooperatively together for the greater good of the whole means to a certain extent that the idea that you have this unique unicorn like position and everyone can contain this and have this for themselves is inherent bullshit and we know this and you know it's well, time to and, it's time to buy in. And, yeah,
2: well and because his message is is not necessarily as enthusiastic as it was, you know, when he started his evangelical uh Profitizing tirade Mm -hmm. that also means it's not good for ratings and this just sends everyone in an upspin because not only are his ratings going down because not (laughs) everyone wants to be reminded that globalization makes them insignificant but that also means that the ratings now for the mouse a tongue hour are going down because it's followed by a shitty show yeah and why this is so infuriating mm-hmm. to our, you know, our program directors like Diana and mm-hmm. Hackett, who's running, is because they are not going to take Howard Beale off because now he is speaking the words of Jensen. Mm-hmm. And Jensen, who is con- in control of everything, apparently, wants to make sure that this message is getting out despite what the ratings you know, what the ratings are for Mm -hmm. it.
0: Which which makes a beautiful, it adds yet another spinning ring to the whole whole cosmology of this movie where Beale's insanity is Max's sanity. Now, all of a sudden, things have come full circle again and the man at the top, who's presumably the reason Max got fired at the end of the day, the reason Mm -hmm. the news devolved was because someone was trying to please Jensen. Mm Mm-hmm this has all come to a head mm-hmm. because Jensen wants an unprofitable news show that
1: speaks the truth. Yes, yes. exactly.
2: <laughs> yes, which is exactly, yeah, what they were trying to get rid of yes, is, in the beginning.
1: <laughs> and it, there's some really good lo- lines when he's like, You would describe Mr.
3: Jensen's position on Beale as inflexible? Intractable and adamantine. Uh, all right. <laughs>
1: so, but... And this has got Diana reeling. <laughs> yes, and but there's another great line where, you know, it but once again to kind of show the 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 vapidness of how the the once again the, the method and procedure and practices of television are all encompassing is like you said in between the scenes of like of um of the of the Jensen speech and then the final basically plotting of the end of the movie yeah. um you get the scene with a communist party woman bitching about Beale's numbers going down. Which and are
2: making her numbers going down. Yeah, exactly. And she, yeah. Once
1: again, completely lost on We've the fact... We've got some
2: more good, like, yeah, screaming negotiations. Yeah,
1: but completely <laughs> lost on the fact that, you know, the like, the like there's no indication even that the problem is that less people are hearing the message. It's that she is now kind of infected with the desire... For for ratings and and numbers yeah. that everyone else is and so well and
2: that his show is bringing down the whole mood for people like yeah, wanting exactly, to watch yeah exactly
1: and it's like once again it's like it's it's it becomes so content neutral yeah and all that's be, the the problem is the viewers like the, the, <laughs> our message isn't sound in fact I I've started to care less and less about that yeah. as long as we are getting as viewers. long as the ratings yeah. are coming yeah. in
0: no and that's don't don't touch my syndication cost
5: oh no, god damn.
0: the um. <laughs> yeah uh and in the middle between between this uh between Beale's final revelation and uh the plot the plot to figure out what to do about that uh max and diana have their final meetup where uh max max finally breaks free of the cycle he uh He's doing all the generic things you would expect an old man to do. When he retires, he's uh, he, he's considering going on a teaching tour. He's writing a book. About the
2: good old days of broadcasting. <laughs> the good old days of
0: broadcasting. But the thing is, he can't go back because Diana has a point. Like, yeah. he doesn't have his old truths to sit on anymore. Exactly. And there's a thing where he kicks his manuscript in the air because he knows it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. But he also knows... That Diana is bullshit. Yeah, and he's and he's still thinking in script language, like he's still corrupted by Diana. Mm-hmm. But he is at least going to make the effort to regain what little of his dignity he still can. Yeah, um, he accuses Diana of being TV incarnate. Fair. Yeah, um, she doesn't really <laughs> disagree with him. No, she can't. <laughs> um, yeah, no. no, one of the, one of the many finaler lines in the set is.
5: What exactly is it you want me to do?
3: I just want you to love me. I just want you to love me. Primal doubts and all. You understand that, don't you?
5: I don't know how to do that.
0: Granted, Diana... Told Max this on the the first first
5: date. date. Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) this already came up. (laughs) But uh, everybody knows TV's bad for them. Yeah, like everybody knows. I still consume the shit out of it. No one's under an illusion (laughs) about this. Yeah, no. And you still and Max has finally come back from the brink. He doesn't know if he can reinherit his old life. He doesn't know if his wife is going to take him back. But he'll manage. He he's always managed. Yeah. He's an old you know he. He is one of the old guard. He's one of the people who makes his way he makes his way along. He doesn't take shortcuts. He gets things done. Mm -hmm. And he lost that for a little while under the glamour of Diana and he attempts to get that back. And in the meantime, Diana is given the diagnosis of about 24 months
1: before she goes insane, which Mm -hmm. um,
0: eh, eh,
1: probably. Well, to her credit when they're having this final when they're breaking up essentially, she does when she when she even when he says that to her uh, she she goes and reaches for a teacup and she does
2: she's shaking yeah
1: she is she oh, she's is, afraid yeah she, exactly she's
2: afraid but she's so caught up she doesn't know like i said she doesn't know how to love anything else and it's terrifying but that's her reality i don't want your pain
5: i don't want your menopause, I'll decay and death i don't need you max get need out
3: of- me you need me badly because I'm your last contact with human reality. I love you! And that painful, decaying love is the only thing between you and the shrieking nothingness you live the rest of the day.
1: And don't leave me. Well, like, I've, you know, I, you, I mean, I've seen relationships and I've been, and I've also experienced it myself where, you know, you have kind of had, had you've gone down a certain path in your life and... Part of that has kind of led you away from or to where you haven't engaged with the ways in which small decisions, um, you know, small effects that haven't been addressed over time have become to and and added up to larger issues in either a relationship or or a situation in your own life. And it becomes something that you we you know like the, like much like that phrase the elephant in the room that no one will speak of like this has become the elephant in her life that that she is not acknowledging that she is you know losing this and has wrapped herself so intimately in her identity in her emotionality uh and at, to the exclusion of so much else that when this inevitably will go down i mean ratings will not last forever fox news will not be the number 1 news station forever like those things when those things do collapse and like what do you have left in your exactly yourself? where where are you then? Like this isn't like even if it happens, it isn't because you're a you're a failure as a person. Like, you know, like Mr. Jensen would say, there are natural ebbs and flows to this. Yeah. And that we have to be aware of our place within these things. And she outside of one ebb, uh, when the flow comes around, there is no other side to her. And I think that she is terrified of, in a sense, that you know we talk about holes or or vacuums within people's lives and or emotionality like she i think kind of has maybe you know avoids that to a large degree and that's what i think she but she but in that scene once again through just you know the kind of subtlety of of 15 seconds worth of acting is um uh, is very well demonstrated by Faye Dunaway and why she is fucking one of the best actors uh, uh, during one of the golden ages yeah. of American cinema. Uh, because we talked before about another movie, um, which is Bonnie and Clyde, 67, which she's in with Warren Beatty, uh, which kind of really, you know, uh, almost in 10 years from each other, caps off one of the, one of the peaks of, a, of an actor in, uh, in American cinema with Faye Dunaway. In this scene
0: she um I, though she always embodies t v because that is what what she is to a large extent, she is still human, she is still real, mm-hmm. as Max has to say about himself in the scene, he talks about him being real, yeah, he can't switch to another station, she can't switch to another station, mm-hmm. and in that way she she is demonstrating why the kind of pursuit that has driven the romance in her life to be the number one. Mm -hmm. There's a a scene where she's in front of all the shareholders for the CCA right after ratings get announced. Um, And her whole speech is nothing but numerical facts. She thanks no one. She doesn't talk about hard work. All she does is say, We're the number three station numbers, and numbers, next year numbers, we'll be numbers, number numbers. one. This is our ratings. This is that's all she has. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that lifestyle is that the second things turn away from you, you have nothing. Yeah. And she is she is a perfect example. She's a textbook example of the cautionary tale of defining yourself mm-hmm. by data. Yeah. Um and that and that's she's suddenly realizing with Max's help. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she needs to have more in her life and that the only other thing she's, she does have in her life, she is corrupted to such an extent that he doesn't want her anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that's sad. But, uh, you know, whatever. Max will probably
1: make out. He always does. But so- like, but I think that, you know, one of the cool things about this film, uh, and it, I think that it, you know, once again, to talk about the the little uh, tirade I went on at the end of They Live, you know, um... <laughs> You know, I had talked before about this idea that the the system, it gets imposed on people, right? We've been enslaved rather than uh, enslaving ourselves. Yeah. Um, I do have to kind of just briefly mention on this because I do think we're kind of heading to the end of this film. and um, We're very near. We're all very right, close. Cool. So uh, just to kind of ruminate on some of the ideas here. Um, I mean, look, w- one of the things that makes Network so, so great is that it seems to suggest something about our current state, uh, right? It was it – was, Def, it was almost diagnose, defining and diagnosing the problem, and for God's sake,s almost seems to have inspired its perverse iteration that we curr- an all encompassing iteration that's we live in today. That's actually the
2: weird part about it. It's like it's like instead of this being a cautionary tale, we just we just went straight with the Diana method, like head first. Again, so,
1: Gordon Gecko is yeah. the other perfect example yeah. there. So, like, but what is it? I mean, is this? I mean, you got because. <laughs> I stopped watching cable news. Af- really, run the invasion of Iraq. Right, about okay. the, the year after, about two thousand four, two thousand five. I had stopped watching like CNN, Fox News. I mean, o- only Fox News and CNN I get is when they make fun of it on like with J- Daily, Sto- with John- Daily Show with John Daily Show John Stewart. I think like, the only cable news I get because I mean, and and once again, you take a you take a Daily Show joke from two thousand five and a Daily Show joke from two thousand fourteen. About, the med- about news media in general, they are the same joke, right? They are pointing out the same fucking absurdities that we have in, in media today. But the problem is, right, once again, are they, is this kind of media speaking to something that is innate or inherent within us? Or has it, like, manufactured, like, a, you know, I mean, is it like, you know, like, we all want sugar, Right are they just giving us sugar because we have an an innate fucking hardwired desire for sugar and we don't know when we're consuming too much of it, or are they is this like you know is this something that has been like manufactured entirely like a like heroin or something I mean is this something that we would not have naturally craved and we have been you know we're being fed something that is that that was altered by these people. I mean, are they giving us what we what we need and want, or are they manufacturing? No, they're something? giving
2: us something sweet and uh, uh, you know, new, like basically nutrient less. But it's so easy to consume, and it goes down so easy that you just you just you just go with it. It's so much easier. Right. I mean, how much easier? Like. How difficult is it for you to go find your news now through what non-biased sources and, you know, different – like you spend a lot of time looking for stuff that you find (laughs) Mm nutrient-dense in terms of information. Right. TV can spend a lot less money because they don't need actual reporting to create something sugary sugary and sweet that has no nutritional uh, information, you know. I think and it can produce tremendous. a lot of it and, and people will eat it. And then you're like, this is good. This is easy. This is comfortable. I'll right. just keep eating it. And as long as we keep eating it, there's no reason to stop making it.
0: Right. I, I think that's tremendously unfair to television. I think the internet has made that problem much worse. Really? Yes. So it's a
2: more of a media. Well, also, yes, because a, yeah, it's more of a m- media. I talk
0: to, I, I yeah. talk to my students.
1: I mean, well, this, well, no, 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 this is TV. This media
0: I want, in general. Yeah. I want that here. discrimination there, though, because having the person on the screen... Gives it's it, You can be more anonymous on the internet. You can be more abstracted in a way that on television, there's still some audacity to the things people say on television that has completely evaporated from the internet. There was a um, it was a very good article. It was an interview with I forget specifically who in Obama's administration, but it was some someone related with foreign affairs. Who just at some point, because, you know, his job's up for sale at this point to whoever wins the next election. Mm -hmm. um, Basically bragging about the fact that because no one does genuine reporting anymore, they could feed a hungry journalist Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. and they would report on it and it would cascade and become news. Mm -hmm. Um, On television... That's at least a little bit harder to do mm-hmm. <laughs> on the Internet with the full distribution of wealth here, and I guess this could, this point could go in a million different directions, so I'll try to hone it just a little bit. But <clears throat> we haven't found a panacea for this in giving everybody a voice the way that Beal wanted us to, right yeah. the fact that everyone can say, "I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore," and their voices get heard didn't fix this problem. <laughs> It's this is not, not a
2: solution, unfortunately. And, and
0: what that what that means is that we're still stuck with the same shitty two-party divide here where um, talking about sugar um, and whether or not – I assume, Ryan, to some degree what you were going for is, is there some degree of responsibility and where does it lie? Mm-hmm. And that is – that's an exact political divide mm-hmm. because you either think there is – the accountability is – something that should come from the top or from the bottom. right? And which side you pick is almost a perfect delineation Mm -hmm. between Democrat and Republican, most days. Depends on what you're talking about. Uh, Drugs being one of the primary counterexamples. But it's something that we still have to relate to nowadays, which we've had to deal with for 40 years, and I assume we've been dealing with for centuries at this point. Okay, We have to understand we have to understand when things are bad for us and stop but that's not always something that we want to put as an onus or cost on the public right so we should be doing that to business as well there is a pretty solid case in both directions right and network doesn't saw so- network does not in any way answer that question mm-hmm. because the entire side of the audience despite the fact the audience um is us in the most meta sense. Yeah. <laughs> the one perspective we really actually don't get is the audience. Mm-hmm. There's one scene total where we see people watching television. And mm-hmm. it is the scene where Beale gives his I'm mad as hell speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than that, it is left to our own interpretation. Yes, exactly. How, how what is going on over the airwaves is being interpreted. We get to be the full conduit for the audience. Right. Um, that's a lot of responsibility to put on us
1: from a directorial perspective. Well, and, and, but it's, it's so strange though, that there's this, the, 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 the relativism and this idea of like respecting how people view the world, uh, is, is, is to a certain extent kind of bullshit. You know, like, I mean, like we, we talked previously, uh, today, but about the Ted Nugent thing about, you know, like if, if, you know, you have certain perspectives and, you know, that you have failed to, you are ignorant of, or have failed to consider, you know, certain causal issues or, or certain information that is directly related to the larger issues we're dealing with in any sort of issue, right? If we talk about like, you know, the development of obesity or diabetes in our culture over the last 30 to 40 years, if we talk about the direction of foreign policy in the Middle East, if we talk about the problem of deficits and debt in this country, and I mean, there are, there is a lot we have to understand and... The fact is, is that when we analyze, like in political science, there's a small section of media studies, which we tend to broadcast through other communications departments. But they actually do studies on how long people watch newscasts, like mm-hmm. lo- local news. Mm-hmm. and the. A- so the idea is, is that if a news story lasts usually longer than 90 plus, 90 to 100 seconds, anything longer than that, and you begin to shed audience, like – People do not hang with news stories that tend to last. When it's when it's an announcer talking or yeah. someone reporting on a news story, that shit's got to be done in a hundred seconds. Otherwise, you start losing about five percent of your audience every five to ten seconds after that. Like wow. people fucking just start. They get they I start changing that. the channel. And the thing is, is that is that an inherent problem in how we have. A, have Uh, And how we have developed or is that something we've been is that the response we've been trained to have and I am really you know network I once again network is good in the sense that it part of what makes it good and nuanced is that it doesn't come down on it either way I think it has a very nuanced perspective on this. And it more in in a sense almost is very Howard Beale, Be, Bellerian, if you will, uh, is <laughs> is, uh, is um, you know diagnosing the feeling and and angst and and anxiety that we have when we, you know, confront a world that is that is different than how we experience it, and that contrast and 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 how to give that a name and how to give that a feeling is something that, you know, is a, about a larger search of our place in this world. And usually we think we're very good at just understanding me, but we so much rely on media to find our place in the world. And that is what is fucking being skewed to a large degree. And of course, I think Bill's then ultimate mirror is to say that, well, you probably don't even understand yourself that fucking well anymore either. And that is, I think, the kind of dual message of what Net, uh, Network is kind of getting at, is that not only are we fucked in our understanding of where we are, but it's also fucked our ability to even understand ourselves. Um, and in that sense, it's a great movie. I mean, it really <laughs> is a great movie. <laughs> so, um, I mean, really... I, 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 I'm kind of just done. I mean, I love this movie. Well, I mean, yeah, oh, okay, we, yeah, we are done. Okay, there's yeah, let's, there's let's, one more scene. Yeah, I don't I mean There's one more
0: scene. I mean, I'm just done. You do guys, I'd love to talk with you more. No, they, 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 s- they need to uh, they need to deal with Beale and the uh, ratings uh, Beale, are slipping. Yeah, ratings they, are
2: slipping and ratings are slipping. by Jensen, so they can't fire him. So
0: Hackett, the Axe Man, hatches a hatches a plot to murder him, which starts out as a joke. But
2: Diana thinks it's an excellent idea and that it'll be great for ratings yeah and
0: then everyone pretty rapidly recognizes the uh the practicality of the plan uh, arthur the old president of uh ubs is in the room for this and you would think that he would be the voice of reason in the room but nobody and he starts really off,
2: speaks out about no no
0: no, no. He, he, st- he he sounds like he's about to yeah. he says you know we're contemplating a capital crime here the network can't be implicated. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so, but but they have friends with the acumenical uh, liberation yeah, so army. Yeah. they pull some strings. They, uh, can, they can they can get a few favors out of and, them,
0: and they they get one more ratings bump because you don't want to lose the whole thing. So they orchestrate the murder on the show. Yes. At the very beginning of the show, they go through the first couple of sections. They also, they, you know, Vox Populi and
1: uh, Soothsayer Sybil. Yeah. They
0: all have their own audiences, so they can spin those shows off if they need to. But for the last ratings hit, they have all of them show up and then two people stand up out of the audience and murder Beale. Mm-hmm. And then the narrator comes back. Um,
2: we haven't heard since the very beginning. Since the
0: very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, had one, he had one little thing to... Uh, Explain she's in the she's in West Coast.
1: Yeah, she's yeah. On the West Coast. Yeah, they
0: have powwows and meetings. Yeah, um, and the narrator, uh, the narrator caps off this movie full of the <clears throat> heavy philosophy that we've been talking about the whole time.
3: With this was the story of Howard Beale, the first known instance of a man who was killed because he had lousy ratings. So
0: yeah,
1: no, that's uh network yeah um one final note i mean this the movie <laughs> <laughs> the movie does have i mean w- watching the film if you don't know this already or if you hadn't researched it um uh what's his name um peter finch who plays howard Beale. yeah uh while making this film was having heart problems and heart conditions um he did not uh you know, let this let this be known to anyone during uh, the making of the film. So He was
2: actually fainting he's in all actually, those scenes. Uh, no,
1: but he's actually, he, but he is dying. Oh, okay, uh, and in fact, <laughs> he dies three months um, after the movie is in theaters. He he dies. He dies before he uh, the the Oscar ceremony. And where Chavesky, he wins. Uh,
2: didn't wasn't able to accept his Oscar either. He died before mm-hmm. uh, he won that the Oscar. Hell? And in yeah. fact,
1: um, uh, the very famous uh, Mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. Speech. Uh, Was completed in one and a half takes. Um, uh, uh, Once again, Peter Finch uh, was was the reason he would get so exhausted on set was because uh, his heart was failing, Um, and so they use the second half of his speech is from the first take, and then the first half of his speech is from the beginning of his first his the 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 beginning of his second take. Uh, But once again, that speech delivered very shortly and. um, you know Peter Finch uh, uh, knew he was dying while he was making this film. and I think that um you know there you know the the one of the things this movie is famous for is the quality of its acting and Peter Finch's performance in particular. and uh, it is I mean, it is infecting. and um you know, learning when I had learned about this, um when after I'd first seen the movie fifteen, twenty years ago or so, I was like, you know, I, it was like, you know, this is really impressive. In fact, it just a note aside, he did uh, pass away uh, the day after he gave a pr- – uh, he was on Johnny Carson uh, and and was joking about, you know, dying and things like this and then, and then died the very next day afterwards. So um, – but once again, like I think that, you know, this kind of adds a little bit of resonance to uh, his performance and the kind of – because, you know, his <laughs> – him being Howard Beale, a man seemingly on the breakdown who – at various points in time, connects himself with all thought and being and space and time and yet feels that he is a part of this larger corporate you know, cosmology and the fucking brilliant sincerity that he get, manages to communicate within this. Um, I think maybe has a source other than the fact that he's just a damn good actor. And um, I think it's one of the things that adds to it being uh, one of the most memorable and excellent films I have ever seen. Amen. Yeah. Okay.
2: okay. Well, so on that note, so what, what what are we tackling for our next exciting episode oh, of
1: so, Movie Crew? So, um, okay, I've I had some problems here. There is some films like Sweet Smell of Success, um, that is about fame and what an ambition and what someone will do to accomplish it. Tony Curtis, Burt Lancaster. No, I'm not gonna do that. This also got some of the best dialogue ever, but so that'll be on, coming up. <laughs> um, then I wanted to do King of Comedy. Uh, which is also about ambition, show business, uh, with uh, Robert De Niro and um, nu- Nutty Everhart. Professor.
2: Oh, Jerry Lewis.
1: Jerry Lewis as well. But that's a Martin Scorsese, and I didn't want that to be my Martin Scorsese pick. That's a weird. Mar- that's a weird Marty. Pick. I know, but I didn't want it to be him. So uh, I was given some advice by another friend of the uh, a good friend of the pod, GFOP, and they he said that maybe we need to pick a film that has perhaps a little bit more historical significance, right? Let's try to... Sometimes one of the best ones we do are films that are kind of both excellent films, but are also notable because they have accomplished something or maybe have established uh, something that that a lot of film has built on top of. In that spirit, I have chosen 1932's German film, Fritz Lang's M is the film we'll be watching next. And that Excellent. is yes. This is a classic in filmmaking. Okay,
2: basically every single procedural. Uh, you know, you got to kill somebody, you got to do an investigation, and you got to set up the trial. Mm-hmm. This movie started all of that. So Excellent. all of Dick Wolf's work
1: <laughs> started <laughs> okay. with M. It's it, it is that and more. So okay, oh, I no, answer. it it, yeah.
2: it is more. Yeah. But it is it is it is good. It is the start.
1: And it's um it but once again Fritz Lang, who is a German filmmaker and comes over to America and does some really great American work in the 40s and 50s. But his um this kind of seminal initial film of M 1932 is a classic. It's also going to encompass um the time when movies became talkies, when sound is used. And so this has some really, really neat uses. Uh, and really innovative uses of sound uh, in terms of storytelling as well. And because so, it
2: is a Criterion, it is available on, on Hulu. On fucking
1: Hulu. So if you have a, a subscription, you don't have to download some <laughs> obscure copy, especially since Kick-Ass Torrents got closed down. Uh, Very and, disappointing. Yeah, I know. And uh, But yes, this is something we can actually watch on Hulu. So Well then. All right. Nicole, Ryan. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for
0: being part of the Machination Log. I'll make
3: my witness. Good morning, everyone. Your television incarnate Diana, indifferent to suffering, insensitive to joy, all of life is reduced to the common rubble of banality. War, murder, death, all the same to you as bottles of beer. And the daily business of life is a corrupt comedy. You even shatter the sensations of time and space into split seconds and instant replays. You're madness, Diana. Virulent madness. And everything you touch dies with you. But not me.